Okay, I guess I'll intro. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Unwrapping Success, the podcast all about motivation, staying happy, and uh, finding success. As always, we have Tim with me. What's up? Today we have episode eight out of 10 of season three. This is going to be Les Brown. Uh, quick background on him. So as always, he's a motivational speaker. Um, something not very unique about him as always like he i think he had a pretty rough um upbringing uh so he claims that he was declared like (laughs) this is bad but like basically he couldn't be taught in like grade school uh which like massively damaged his like self-esteem and confidence basically um i want to drop the r word on our podcast but uh he had learning disabilities What's up? I think if you're quoting, because I just opened it up too. Yeah. He he was declared mentally retarded. Okay. Yeah. Um, which that happens to a lot of these motivational speakers. They usually like go through something tough, like early in their lives. Um, also came from like a low income family. Uh, lived in Florida, and he was also adopted. So pretty tough upbringing and then in terms of his professional life uh did a lot of speeches and then he had his own like public radio or he did public radio and that ended up failing um so he was terminated from the radio station and then he actually like ran for election in the ohio house of representatives and actually like won uh which is crazy and then he like once he was done his like politician career, he ended up like shifting gears and like was a television host on on PBS on a show called The Les Brown Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, has been doing like motivational like speeches from there. So pretty interesting dude. Um, and yeah, I guess I will bring up his. I'll share my screen now. We'll get it going. Okay. Yeah, and I guess he's a hero to Dave Ramsey, right? Yes. And uh, I bet he is to, like, a few of these other people, honestly. Because I bet, like, several of the people that we've talked about the past couple weeks, I bet he is uh, bigger among an older audience. Yeah. I forget how old he is. I don't know. It probably said, but um, based on his He was born in 1945, I saw. Oh, so he's actually older than I thought. The fossil. Yeah, he's a fossil. Um, so yeah, he's probably like close to 80 years old. So yeah, uh, I'm ready. You ready, Tim? It's about like a 10 minute video. It's by Motivational Madness with 2.67 million subscribers. So credit to them and links in the description. And definitely check out the channel. Yep. And play. I just realized I have this audio playing out of the wrong thing. Give me one sec. Play. The easiest thing I've done was to get out from under the labels and to live the life that I live. The most difficult thing I've ever done was to believe that I can do it. Uh, The difference is that when you don't know what's impacting you and it's it's something that's holding you down and you're not aware of it, 
there are things that when you, in, in my situation, when you live in a dominant culture that is designed to destroy your sense of self and your belief in yourself and, and you have to learn ways in which you can begin to connect with this power that you have within yourself to handle where you are. The key is to be constantly in a perpetual process of discovering the truth of who you are and fighting constantly to look for ways in which you can escape the inner conversation between ages zero and five. We determine what's available to us and what's not available to us. And so that was a defining moment. I knew there are certain things I could not do. I'm going to pause there. Um, zero to five. How is he this self-aware at zero at like ages, like between ages zero and five that he's like contemplating these like deep topics? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what he was getting at with the zero to five, but. I like that, that uh, the easiest thing he ever did was realizing what he could become. The hardest thing he ever did was believing what he could become. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty deep. Because like me right now, like applying to grad schools, like it's absolutely terrifying because, and like I've talked to you a lot, like off the podcast about this, but many of these programs are like between, like a an easy to get into program is like one in twenty, and right. it's just like like part of it's absolutely terrifying. Like, what if I don't get in? So like, it's easy to realize like, yeah, I could become an economist, but it, it's even harder to believe I can. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's gonna change a lot once you get like your first acceptance. I'm looking forward to that day so much. Like, I even realize. Even here's if it's not, the, yeah. Here's the terrible thing. Before that day comes, it's pretty much guaranteed I'm gonna get like multiple rejections before yeah. then. So I just gotta get through the applications, which isn't fun, and then I'm gonna have to deal with a little bit of rejection. But when that day comes, that I got in somewhere, oh, that's gonna be a great feeling. You should use the geometric distribution to find out how many failures it's gonna take before you get your first success. make our professor proud yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay no, it, it's tough out there but. yeah you'll get through it tim just listen to les brown he's, he's yeah. about to inspire you i i just have to believe yeah you just gotta believe play certain places i could not go they used to have signs on miami beach that said jews dogs and colors not allowed. dogs and so wow now that's bad you have to operate within I don't think they actually the constraints of, of the dominant society and the things that they have created for you and wait, pause wait did that say was blacks on that list i can't remember it's a yeah colored so he was excluded oh wait what do you mean they didn't mean dogs like, like my guess is that was some kind of a slang i'm not sure exactly which group Oh, I thought they actually meant dogs. Like, no. <laughs> are you sure? Because, like, well, I, like they're comparing them to animals, which is like so bad. That's what I thought it was. I mean, I don't want to dive like too deep into this. I thought they literally meant dogs. Maybe, maybe they did. Um, 
but he was like he was like excluded. I, I'm checking if that's like a common slang. Okay. I mean, like, I, we get the point though. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that important. Play. It's a challenge to see yourself beyond that and to work to get outside of that, even after those laws have changed because that has become so much a part of you, you unconsciously operate within the parameters of what has been put in place. Like you go, you're driving on the expressway, the four or five, and, and, and you'll get off on an exit that you weren't going in that direction, but you unconsciously did it because you've done it so many times that many people, because they're not making a conscious, deliberate, determined effort to think outside of what life has thrown at them, they end up doing the same thing over and over and over again. Einstein said that thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. And so through relationships, through reading, through studies, through goals and dreams beyond your comfort zone, it, it allows you to begin to live out of your imagination as opposed to out of your history. D Disney said, the imagination is a preview of what's to come. Want to pause there real quick? I love that. I mean, he talks about like, like routines basically. And, and it goes back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he's like, life goes by, life goes by fast. You don't stop and look around. You'll miss it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically saying that that like you're in this like routine and like, you know, what exit to get off every time, but like, you're not making any conscious decisions. Like everything you do in your life is just unconscious. Cause you're, cause you're just in like such a, you're, I mean, humans are like beings of habits. So we just do the same thing over and over again mm -hmm. and your just life goes by. And I've noticed that actually happens now with work and you probably have noticed this too. If you have like a very strict routine, like every day seems the exact same so that, it's kind of hard to like differentiate differentiate one day in the past compared to another because they're also similar. I find time is going much faster now that I'm out of school. Oh, 100%. Yeah. School went much by faster. much slower, which at to, at the time we're like, oh, school's going to go by so fast. Life outside like, of school is even faster. This is different. I get like as you get older, it always seems like time's going by faster. It, it was like a cliff. Time is just absolutely flying now. I can't even keep track of it. Mm -hmm. It's weird because, like, I had more fun in school, so, like, it doesn't even follow the rule. Like, if you're Oh, it's not, it's not following the rule. It's not following the rule. We've broken the, the multiverse, like Ultron. Okay. Play. They have to expose themselves to something that will give them a different vision of themselves. And in addition to that, they have to put themselves in a community of what I call OQP, only quality people. A gentleman who dramatically transformed my life, I was a junior at Booker T. Washington High School in Miami, Florida, and I went in his class looking for another friend. and. And he said, go to a board and work this problem out for me. I said, sir, I can't do that. He said, why not? I said, uh, I'm not one of your students. He said, do it anyhow. And, and the other kids started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's DT. And he said, what's DT? He's, his brother is smart, but he's the dumb twin. 
And, and I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk and he pointed at me and said, don't you ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And he taught me three things. He said, if you want to become successful in life, young man, he said, number one, you got to change your mindset. He said, you don't get in life what you want, you get in life what you are. Number two, practice OQP, only quality people. You earn within two to three thousand dollars of your closest friends. I found Wait, that, that relates to financials bro- too. Friends, I say y'all gotta go. I believe it because <laughs> I used to be so broke I'd pass the bank and trip the alarm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the third, do thing I not said, fall into that criteria? Develop Tim? your communication skills. No, you're a millionaire. Once you open your mouth, <laughs> you tell the world who you are. He said those are three major things that you want to work on that will liberate you from living in Liberty City, living in poverty and over town. It will help to escape out of where you are right now because I see you watching me and I know you want more. I can see the hunger in your eyes. Ooh, an old dude. You get hungry by finding something that's you. I believe that all of us are born unique but most of us die copies. You gotta find out what is it that turns you on, what resonates with you. Uh, one of the things that I realized and what allowed me to become successful as a speaker, the speaking industry has been hijacked by people who speak to sell, and it's, it's okay to do that and make money. I'm gonna pause real there, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was so interesting when he said like people die copies of one another. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. Like, uh, just averaging out to your closest friends. Yeah. The way I kind of took that was, like, you never really find yourself. And, like, you don't really find what you like to do that makes you unique. To me, it was a... I, I, from what I took from that, it was, like, a passion thing. Like, you're defined by, like, what your passions are. Yeah, I... Like, I'm finding this pretty motivational, honestly, and, like, yeah. uh, but it lacks, like, concrete steps so far. Right. I think the most concrete thing was the exit, taking the exit. I think that's literally it. (laughs) But, like, I don't know what that means in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, the, that very first thing that he said with, uh, like, the easiest thing is seeing what you can become the hardest thing is believing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the other thing that that like reminds me of is like, I know that all those people who say, yeah, I could have been valedictorian if I just tried harder. The truth is you didn't. Yeah, you didn't. So you're not the valedictorian. They could, they can see what they could have been, but I guess they never, they never believed it or never actually took the exit and did it. Right. And I think and um, their actions showed that they weren't meant to be the valedictorian. Or if I had stuck with football in college, I could have been in the NFL. I- I'm not sure if I hear that one super often, but like those kinds of sentiments, I think that everybody kinda has one of those. Yeah, it's like and oh maybe if I not woke- everybody, but a lot of people. If I woke up at five AM and did YouTube from 5 a.m. to midnight every day, I'd be a famous YouTuber. 
I mean, like, that's that, that might be true, but, like, I didn't do it, so I'm not going to be a famous YouTuber. You either didn't believe that you actually could, or you didn't take the exit. Right. So he's saying take the exit. He really wants you to take the exit, Tim. The, uh... The problem is, like, we've talked about, like, even when you achieve your dream, your dream's not going to be as perfect as you think it is. Or as perfect as you might be, as perfect as Les Brown is painting the picture to be. Yeah. Expectations kill joy. Have you heard that? That's why, like, uh, The Last Jedi was actually a great movie. We were all just expecting a different movie. You know what's funny? When I first walked out of that, I actually thought it was good. And I think you did, too. I didn't. No, no, you walked out of there and you said, I think that I like that. I remember you said that to me. Yeah, yeah. I was that really like trying, hit home. No, I didn't. Like, it wasn't, I believe I liked that. It was like, I liked that, right? And because I saw with my friend uh, Chris, not the Chris that we saw the other day, but I saw with my friend Chris, who didn't know Star Wars, all he had seen was uh, The Force Awakens and now The Last Jedi. And I was, like, trying to, like, explain to him in the car, like, after we saw it, like, this this it wasn't really Star Wars. Like, it, it was missing something. Like, that wasn't really Luke. Like, I was trying to explain, but, like, of course he didn't get it. It was the knockoff version of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, very knockoff. Like Luke said, that entire movie, it was all laser swords. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, to focus on Les Brown, like... It's Les Brown. <laughs> It's uh love Les. Let, let's keep it going. I, I I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. Yeah, me too. Play. I speak to change lives because somebody spoke and changed my life. So this is my passion. This is my drive. This is something that I feel in my heart. And and so the key to that hunger driven life is a heart centered life. I didn't do what I'm doing for years because of my programming, because of the culture in which I was raised in. I would see other people with, with degrees and PhDs and, and MBAs and credentials I don't have, and I convinced myself I couldn't do it. But Mr. Washington, on that day, we became friends, and, and he taught me not only someone's opinion of you does, does not have to determine your reality, he said that you have to work on yourself and you have to have an unstoppable attitude and no excuse is acceptable and you've got to, to make it a, a, a priority, a non-negotiable in your life and hold a, a constant vision of what it is you want to achieve. See it accomplished and go all out. Find a way to win in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the disappointments, in spite of your failures. I I tell people when I'm giving presentations, you will fail your way to success. I have a saying is life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. (laughs) And so those experiences of, of going after goals that's beyond your comfort zone and having relationships that will challenge you and surrounding yourself with coaches and mentors who can take you to a place within yourself 
that you can't go by yourself because you can't read the label when you're locked in the box. And so those experiences, they challenge you to go to that next level and continue to move forward in your life doing new and exciting things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered the heart of mankind what God has in store for you when you live a hard-centered life, deciding that you're going to live a life that will outlive you. You're going to live a life that counts, a life that will build a legacy and change the planet. You know, Harz Man said, we should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. And so my goal is to make a, a major I feel like that's not true for most time. people these days. Like, they, I feel like a lot of people are very selfish these days and, like, only want to see themselves, like, thrive and don't want to, like, help others after they die. I feel like it's almost forced now with, like, wills. Like, you're dying, so you're like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm giving my money to, like, these next generation of people, but... I don't think so at all. Like maybe, maybe it's like our age group, because because we're uh, young and not planning on dying anytime soon. I think wills are very gen- generous. Like elderly people, it's not that they you know particularly look forward to giving everything away to their to their kids, but like i was just saying like you can't take your money with you when you die so you're forced to give it to someone yeah but no but i I, I don't want to discredit like wills (laughs) like yeah yeah. obviously it's a nice gesture and you are helping the next generation i don't think that people like don't want to write wills though i mean it's not something people like want to do but it's not like i don't feel like it's a duty thing either it's like they hope that their kids are going to be better off when they're gone, you know? Mm-hmm. But more than just, like, wills, um, as far as giving on to the next generation, that might just be, like, the amount of BS that we've been encouraged to do over the past five years to get into college and stay in college and, like, I've never been a huge fan of the fact that, like, colleges require every applicant to, like, go and, like, do community service. Not because I don't like community service. Don't get me wrong. It's because they told it, you to do the community service, correct? It's it's that I think a lot of it's, like, disingenuous. Everybody's got, like, yeah, exagger- yeah. Everybody's got exaggerated hours and, like... Oh, yeah. It, it's just... There, there's something very, like, disingenuous about it that i find like i never like record like accurate service hours because like it just feels like dirty to me for some reason like it as if i'm only doing the service for hours yeah why do they ask you to put hours in the first place like why do you need an actual number of hours unfortunately like they need like proof that you did it which which in and of itself shows that it's not um like you're not, you don't genuinely want to do it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't prove it, but yeah, like. It's the kind of thing like, do I go to the gym and count how many hours I'm at the gym? Like, no, I like going to the gym, so I'll just go. 
not reporting that to like myself. The people who do the best service are the people who do it regularly. Yeah. It's not like the people who did like a hundred hours that they could say that they did a hundred for their college application. Yeah, I'm and with I'm you not, on that. I'm not saying that like that's like a bad thing that they did a hundred hours. It's just I think that that's why it seems like among our age group and like the period that we're in, because most of the service that most of the people are doing at our age is relatively disingenuous. I agree. And possibly I I would be interested, like if a social worker or somebody who's like actually an expert in this, you know, which does more good a person showing up to cook a meal at a homeless shelter or a person donating 20 bucks to a homeless shelter. Right. Or teaching some homeless people how to like do stuff. Because I think cooking the meal feels better for the person doing the service, but I'm curious which actually helps the homeless more giving $20 to a shelter or cooking a meal. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I'm not, I don't really know the answer, but uh, my gut tells me the $20 is probably more helpful. I think this also relates to what Gary Vee says in terms of like financial success. Like you don't like if you want success, it's his tower analogy. You either like build the tallest tower or you try to tear everyone else's tower down. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of people trying to tear other people's towers down. Instead of, like, helping them build their own towers. Are you having, like, a negative day? Like, you're, like, nobody wants to give to the next generation. Everybody's trying to tear everybody down. Yeah, no, no. That's, no, you're so, that's so true. Like, your mood definitely impacts what you say on the podcast. I'm, like. I guess I'm just in a pessimistic mood at the moment. Yeah, I don't think, like, people are, like, out to get each other. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Tim calls me out. (laughs) I'll try to be more optimistic in the next thing I say. Guys, make sure you leave nice comments today. (laughs) Scott's Scott's not feeling good. This like whole comment section section just like roasting me. (laughs) No, they're they're all like feel better, Scott. (laughs) Okay, play. Every day when I get up. My mindset is, what is it that I can do to touch and impact somebody's life today? What is it? What does that look like? Don't live the life that has been given you. By the circumstances, by the people that's around you, that Sidney Poitier wrote a book called The Measure of a Man. And he said, when you go for a walk with someone, something happens without being spoken. He said, either you adjust to their pace or they Here's adjust to your pace. Here's your concrete evidence or example. Whose pace have you Going for a walk. to? Mm-hmm. And so there are things that we pick up and we think that they're our choices, but they're the choices that we've been programmed by life to, to do. Um, we, when we leave our homes in the morning, we're bombarded with over 6,000 advertising hits through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, through television, through our phones and through our communities uh, and through the computers. And so all of these things are impacting us every day. So if you don't have a program for your mind, 
then your mind is going to be programmed and you'll find yourself doing things that you did not know and, and that they affected you, that they, through marketing techniques and strategies, that they will create a thirst within you. I, I came up in way. an era that said if you built the best mousetrap, the world would be the path to your door. But if you know marketing, people will sleep outside your store to buy a telephone they've never touched or seen. Wait, what did he just... I was confused about that last part. What did he just say? It had to do with the marketing. Yeah, so he ended it... He ended it with... It's like, there's a phone there that you've never touched or seen. If you know marketing, they'll come in for a phone that they've never touched or seen. If you don't know marketing... I don't know what the butt was, but if you don't know marketing. I think he was just trying to say, like, you need to, like, not allow marketers to, like, program your mind. Like, you have to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you have to program your own mind. Which I think is bigger than actual, like, corporations. I, I can't tell. Was he, like, actually, like, targeting, like, marketing advice? Or was, was that, like, supposed to represent something? Like he was talking about the manipulation because I go back to like, so he was talking about the damage early on in the video. He was talking about the damage that was done in his life because he grew up during segregation. And even after segregation was over, he still had habits he developed from experiencing segregation. Oh, right, right, right. So then like toward the end of the video, he was again talking about like habits we just develop as human beings, like when we walk with someone silently, we just match their pace. And I think that with the marketers, he was saying like marketers teach us these same lessons that like segregation early on in his life or matching someone's pace. Like we've all walked with someone before right. marketing reinforces like these patterns in your brain. So, and they're patterns of like doubt that he focused on. Right. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I, I actually, I actually liked him a lot, considering I had not heard of Les Brown. Yeah, until early on, we were doing some research uh, on like motivational speakers and some of the most famous ones, making sure we had them all. And Les Brown came up, and okay, fine, he's on like several lists, so we'll do him. <laughs> I know. Who knew that he was Dave Ramsey's like inspiration? Again, Which is weird. Seeing, <laughs> seeing like 1945, I bet he's a lot of people. Yeah, that are like older. I'm curious why he got fired from his like radio show. Did it say like when? Oh yeah, it could have been like segre- segregation reasons. Um. It just says he was repeatedly unsuccessful. He had on-air oh, he failures. Was, uh, so he, like, messed up, like, while he was on air, which I think ties back into, like, the failure thing, how he's, like, when you fail like, or, like, you fall down, hopefully your back's against the ground so you can still look up and know how to get back up or something. hmm So I guess he didn't let um, his failure as, like, a radio host, like, get to him. Yeah. Which we've heard a thousand times from these speakers. 
But yeah, who knew that when you walk with someone, you're going to discover that someone's going to match the other person's pace. I mean, I've definitely experienced that before. I mean, granted, we all have, but like, I've also been in a situation where somebody doesn't match your pace. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then that can like... Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. So... <laughs> Someone's deliberately trying to go at a different pace. <laughs> these, these like human habits, they're important. No, they are. And, like, I think a common human habit is just be like everyone else, just get, like, the safe job, or just work your nine-to-five and just... Be a robot. Or, like, for thousands of years, just, like, sons and daughters did whatever their, like, fathers and mothers did. Exactly. They weren't their own person. They were a copy of their parent. So, like, it's got to be ingrained in us, at least to a certain extent, you know, in the modern world, maybe you don't do exactly what your parents did, but you know, if they worked a nine to five, you should work a nine to five. Um, I think that has changed, though. I think I, I think, think it's pa- gotten better for sure. Yeah, I think parents are more open to their children being TikTokers. Well, no, I'm not putting it on the parents' perspective. I'm putting it on the kids. Like the kids just fall into whatever their parents did. Like they know that oh. that works, so they want to do it. Yeah. I say it goes both ways. I say the parents also like influence their children and kind of like mm. steer them in a direction. But yeah, I can see what you say, like monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even for me, like one of the reasons it took me like so long to be like confident I wanted to be a professor was I was like, I haven't really like seen other things. Am I just like going with what's comfortable, what I've actually seen before? Right. Um. So, like, I had to, like, think about it for, like, a while before, like, I was really, like, confident that's what I wanted to do. And then you did your substitute teaching job, and that reinforced what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, so, like, su- like substitute teaching right now, it- it's good because it confirmed I, it wasn't being a student I loved so much, it's being in school. Because now, like, it's still school, but it's a very different role. Like, I have a different job to do while I'm there. Right. But I like the school environment. I like everybody trying to learn and it and like the sh- it's very structured, but it's also everybody just trusts that everybody's going to do the right thing for the most part. Like you, in a teaching environment, you're you're uh, the dean of students or the principal. If it's like elementary, middle, high school, like they're not there, like watching you, you know, like, did you teach the kids this yet? Yeah. Which, to me, I like a lot. Yep. Working remote, no one's over your shoulder. Literally. But, like, I'm incapable of that. I can't work remote. Which is a down... I mean, Les Brown would tell me. uh, You can do whatever you want. Just change your mindset. Yeah, change your mindset so you can work remote. If you tell yourself you're not going to work, you can't work remote, then you can't work remote. You have to love failure, Tim. See, I believe that, like... It, if you tell yourself you can, you can, or like if you tell yourself you can't, you can't. But like, I don't think I'm gonna win this argument with myself, you know. You need to fail your way to success. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I could ever convince myself that I can work well at home. What if I taught you? 
I don't think you could. But what if I tell myself I could? <laughs> <laughs> All I right. It, co- it collapses a little bit. <laughs> All right. Let's go into rankings, and I need to bring up the list. But I'm definitely putting him towards my top four or five, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary V1. Oh, shocker. Casey 2. Who else do we have on this list? I feel like Tony Robbins is just falling on my list. Um, and then, did I put Simon at three? I'm not going to, like, question myself. Simon, three. Mm-hmm. Jordan, four. Um, Jordan, four. Chris, five, definitely. And then Dave... Ramsey and then Tony Robbins. Wait, no, no, I missed. I missed to yeah. incorporate Les Brown in there. Shoot, you missed Les Brown. <laughs> okay, Les Brown is going after. No, he's going to go before Chris Gardner. Okay, so I think it was Simon, and then Jordan, and then Les, and then Chris, and then Dave, and then Tony. I think I hit that list list right. Okay, you're up. <laughs> I think every week you go first, which makes my job a whole lot easier because I get extra time to think. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So Casey, Gary, uh, Chris Gardner, Simon Sinek. Okay. Les Brown. Les. Okay, there you got Les. Uh, and we've got eight altogether. Yep. So, if Jordan, Jordan Dan, Dave, Dave, and Tony in last. Okay. I thought you had Tony, like, slightly higher than last compared to last time. I it, might have. I mean, they're all starting to blur, and, like, I'm trying <laughs> to remember. It's very difficult, because they're all similar in a way. Yeah. It's definitely getting harder to do these rankings. Thankfully, we only have to do this two more two times. Two more times. <laughs> The last one's going to be so difficult. But th- but then it's over. Yeah. But uh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully hopefully you enjoyed Les Brown. I thought he was definitely very motivational. It lacked a little of contextual uh advice and like concrete advice, I'd say, but I think the motivation um made up for it, at least yeah. in my mind. Uh so that's why I put him like a little higher than some other people. Um, but I liked his story. I liked his background. I like how he was um, kind of like had a tough life starting out, got fired from his radio job, and then like became a politician and then famous speaker after that. And has his mm-hmm. own TV show on PBS. Um, but yeah, I give Les Brown a 10 out of 10 for motivation. 10 out of 10. That's pretty good. Okay, nothing's perfect, so 9 out of 10. I was going to say like maybe eight, eight and a half out of 10. What's good is I also think he probably appealed to a wider audience than many other speakers that we've looked at. Yes. Because I could tell that that he had an older typical audience, but I didn't feel like left out of any advice. Yeah, I could connect. The exit really got me. Mm. Uh, So next week, we've got Mark Manson. He is a uh, famous author. Famous author. I I think uh, the most famous book that he's written is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. 
and he's also written he really loves the f-bomb yeah he does now is Every that is the f-word in that book is it blurred out or yeah i think it is right i think the i think the u yeah, it's is got not like there. an asterisk yeah but he's also written everything is fucked a book about hope <laughs> he really likes the f-bomb yeah he even, um, he's even written that he's like not a good writer <laughs> don't buy my book <laughs> Everyone buys so, it because they told him not to. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so look out for that. It should be a good one. Uh, again, like, I think we've done a lot of older people, but then we're getting back to a younger person. Granted, he's 37, but his target market is people in their 20s. Uh, so it should be a good one. I'm excited to get back to, like, younger speakers yep. again. So For sure. But yeah, subscribe, like, follow us on everything, and I guess we'll see you guys on episode nine. Yep. Bye, everyone. See you.